Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 251, and today we'll be talking about the Croak of the Creek episode, Bring Out Your Beast. I'm GC13. And I'm David. And in a series of episodes that we've sort of talked about a little before, Bring Out Your Beast sort of continues that. We only talked about it a little when we talked about an overview of Craig yeah. Creek. So there's a lot more to dig into. It's a really awesome episode. It's like, we, we can't have a cartoon about kids and not have a Yu-Gi-Oh! episode. And so they give <laughs> us the best Yu-Gi-Oh! episode they could. I love Cannon Cat so much. Yeah, so how much do you know about the, like, source material? Because I was not a, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! kid or a, like, Dungeon, or not Dungeon Dragon, a Magic the Gathering kid. Like, I was Pokemon and Nintendo things. I played a bit of Magic, but, like, oh boy, was I all about that Yu-Gi-Oh! So, like, ev- everything about it, the art style just evokes Yu-Gi-Oh! to me, at least on stuff like the Cannon Cat. And uh, by the way, speaking of uh, just the art style, the Beast Snares image is so cool. <laughs> it definitely gives off that vibe of ultra rare card that may help you make a small down payment on a car. I I really wish that they like had the flavor text for that. You you know how? I mean, in Yu Gi Oh, it wouldn't have flavor text, but in Magic, it probably would. So uh, I would love to see the flavor text on something with an art drawing like that. <laughs> The way they did the re- references in this was really great for not alienating people who hadn't seen it. It's sort of like in Family Guy, a lot of the jokes are referential humor, and you get the sense that things are being referenced, even if you have no idea. But here, as you know, I didn't even take the you know way that the Plane of Beast was like dramatized, even though that's like clearly Yu-Gi-Oh related. But they didn't go as far as to put like. You know, didn't they keep track of, like, the battle points or, like, the health points of the monsters during the fights in Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they made it much more about the card game in the anime, so. Yeah, so, like, not having those kinds of details where someone would go, okay, now that's getting, like, really specific and I don't know what's going on. You know, uh, similar to, like, the cards, too. They don't, like, overemphasize the nature of the cards or, like, really focus on explaining the different beasts more than is necessary. But for people who've played, like, Magic the Gathering, then they'll know what's references. Like, Matt had just recently tweeted about some of the references to Magic the Gathering that they made in this episode. But you wouldn't even really know that you were missing out on anything. Yeah. If you didn't know, which I didn't. <laughs> they made a good cartoon episode first, and they worried about the card game aspect later. Now, that would be so cool if we had a few episodes about Bring Out Your Beast, and we learned enough to reconstruct the card game out of it, but that's not what we got here. Well, it's smart, because it means, you know, it's really easy to make an episode just about references, and it's really, like, fun to do it, but Craig of the Creek is, like basically all the other shows in the Steven Universe and Adventure Time family, really good at restraining, um, you know, and not going too deep on that. The story's still ultimately about Craig and his brother sort of realizing that maybe he should have included him in playing. Yep, and you speak about it being in the Steven Universe family. Do you you want to say it or should I? Yeah, we brought it before, but... Little Butler. Man, Little Butler. Little Butler. (laughs) So, yeah, Craig is singing the Little Butler theme while cleaning some dishes in this episode. And, you know, before I said make it a crossover, but, you know, just a Little Butler short would be hilarious to be seen in the background in some future Craig the Creek episode. I don't know when this one aired. This was very early. 
yeah, it still was at least a year older than the release of uh, Maximum Capacity. And man, being reminded of that episode <laughs> just makes me really happy because that's one of my all-time favorites. Partially because of Little Butler as well. Um, a severely underutilized character in Steven Universe. See, at, at first we thought that this meant that, you know, Little Butler, you know, just happened to be a show within the Craig of the Creek universe. But it has come to my attention that, you know, quite recently we have actually had an episode with actual cookie cats. So I think Craig of the Creek takes place a little bit in the past of Steven Universe. Well, and what the cookie cats do is they tell you that... It's not just a show within a show either. You know, there could have been a path where Craig was singing Little Butler because he'd seen an episode of Steven Universe, but that is not the case. Yeah, I mean, they have the episode of We Bear Bears where Chloe is watching an episode of Adventure Time. This isn't that. This is like, they're, 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 they're the same world. Craig of the Beach might happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's a weird connected universe between We Bear Bears, Adventure Time, and then, like, Minecraft. Like, if anything ever connects Steven Universe <laughs> or Craig of the Creek to any of those things, then uh, we're going to have a really weird multiverse going on. So I think Turner makes a pretty awesome villain, don't you think? Yeah, I loved character design and, like, of course the little flip of the hat was cute turning yes. to evil, but... Her, like, character model really strikes a balance of, like, not too cutesy. Like, you could lean into, like, oh, they're, like, a little kid and cute, but then they're, like, evil. But it really strikes this, like, skater, cool, young kid balance that is just the perfect level of obnoxious and, but, like, foolhardily, you know, excited to play the game and to, you know, terrorize everyone. And I, I, the thing I liked about the hat flip was usually when people flip their hat like that, they go from forward to reversed, and she went from reversed to forward. <laughs> right, which... Just the small things, you know? Which also added to, like, the fact that then her eyes were mostly obscured for the rest of the episode, which made her more evil-looking. So, very smart. Yep, very intimidating figure. Also, <laughs> the way she used that trap card made me wonder more about i don't think i thought that much about the mechanics of the game the first time around and i kind of didn't catch the details as much as craig did when bernard first like stated them so it's like the monsters as soon as you kill one of them or something i i don't understand so many of the matches ended the moment that the trap card thing was activated well i think that's the point at which people forfeit because it's impossible for them to win without any beasts because they just don't want to keep losing beasts okay but i feel like even the first matchup that happens one monster dies and the game ends but maybe that's just editing well oh were you talking about the match between mark and turner i think so it's the one of the earliest if not the first match we see where she challenges him even though she has just the starter deck from two years ago yeah I like that development for her, too. He he hits her with several different attacks. It looks like his monsters, or his beasts, I should say, attack damage is actually ramping up, because I think he starts out dealing two damage to her, and she he ends up hitting her with a ten damage attack at some point. I, I can't remember what the first damage was. But he hits her with several attacks. They just kind of montage it. Yeah, well, it just felt like it was only against one monster, but maybe not. They show, or beast, but they show multiple ones being used later. Not really sure what the creators of the game intended for when they put out this I mean, <laughs> monster I... beast trapping card either, because, but yeah, I know you can use the influenza-ridden one to, like, win, but that's, like, only one way out. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they probably never expected the game to become as big as it was. And I'm, I'm certain that the text on the Beast Snare is actually being misread. You know, they, they all assume that, oh, this means that I get to keep your card forever, whereas I'm pretty sure it just says you steal it, and they, they kind of with the intended assumption of for the rest of the game. You know, but you know how kids are with their anti-rules and whatnot. <laughs> I w- well, and kids get devastated when their cards get stolen, too. It's no wonder that the, like, button <laughs> splinter s- saloon is completely destroyed and all the kids are dead. I mean, I would have been devastated as a kid having to just trade one of my Pokemon cards because they just become so personal. So I love that they connected with that that feeling as a kid of losing any part of your deck. Oh, man. I was a, I was a Wheeler dealer. Oh, you you didn't mind trading up. I'm all about that trading. I became so connected, especially if I had to buy my own cards too, you know? Like walking into a Walmart and buying a pack of nine cards for $4 as a kid. Those nine cards meant a lot. Hmm. Gotta, Gotta always be looking at trading up. This game has no room for sentimentality. <laughs> no. Well, that, you know, is Bernard going to be able to afford that card now? Or is he going to, you know, keep the cards in exchange for an education or a used car? I mean, he probably is going to need the car for his educational purposes. So, I mean, you know, dormitories are becoming less and less of a thing as time goes on. <laughs> Does Bernard have a job in the show? I don't know that they've ever shown that he works somewhere. So that might be part of why the down payment on the car is so important. He'll probably be able to handle most of his tuition with scholarships. He seems like a pretty bright guy. Yeah, this is very important. We need to keep track of the finances and calculate if he can actually afford this or not. Maybe that's where they'll bring in the deus ex machina of Greg having $10 million. And a mysterious yeah. donor gives him a scholarship to go to college. Yeah, he's, he's going he's gonna to post his music video to TubeTube. And Greg's going to see it and he's going to... Gonna you know, scholarship. And that would be an amazing connection to Steven Universe. And then Craig and his friends go to Beach City to thank Mr. Universe personally. And they end up putting an awesome concert with Mr. Universe, Sadie Killer and the Suspects, and Lars of the Stars. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so far, that movie features a lot of Steven Universe and a lot of Craig and the Creek characters witnessing Steven Universe. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, maybe Kelsey's sword fighting matches up with Pearl somewhere. I don't know. JP and Amethyst are obvious matchups. Yeah, Craig and his friends are a pretty good musical act themselves. They're going to open in concert. What are you talking about? Yeah, fair point. They're going to need a new song, though. I'm sure they'll have some adventure on their way to Beach City. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's that's why Bernard was so insistent on digging up that college money at the creek. You know, he he doesn't have any other income source. He's focused solely on his studies. By the way, did you notice that one giant that looks suspiciously like JP? <laughs> no, I didn't. Where in the episode is that? Uh well he's one of the one of the characters that JP pulls up saying, Look at the muscles on this guy. I think it's the last guy. Oh, I didn't recognize that the like cyclopsy guy. Yeah, yeah. has a JP vibe. Yeah. It kind of has the orangey hair, and I think the pants were similar, and the skin shade was about right, if I remember. I don't know. It looks pretty uncanny, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the Cyclops part threw me off, and I didn't see the resemblance. I mean, foreshadowing? Maybe. <laughs> Much like Finn's arm, JP is going to become yeah. incredibly buff. That's a trope of kids' cartoons, too. Like, Timmy Turner always being really buff whenever he imagined himself <laughs> in the future. 
Uh, I mean, we're, we're all worried about Kelsey going off to war. What, what about the wounds that JP will suffer in that war? <laughs> yeah, seeing him have to get really buff would be a great montage. Also, going back in time, seeing young Craig in this episode was, I mean, they did a better job than the Kooniverse at making their young main character look cute. I think young Steven, his reveal in the extended theme was pretty adorable with his little band-aid on his face, but they nailed young Craig in this. No, I, I, I much prefer young Steven. Young Craig looks so dorky. I mean, I, I'm just <laughs> thinking back to the episode with Raymond, where... K.O.'s like, fight me, Raymond! And then it shows Raymond vision on what K.O. looks like to him. And that is that is young Craig right there. Yeah, it's just like so innocent and so vulnerable. I mean, young Steven is really smart. The band-aid is hilarious. And the fact that they used the voice acting from the pilot really sells the point. But uh, they did a pretty good job with Craig. It's uh, interesting to see when you're dealing with such a... Um, you know, basic structure for like these little cartoon character models. How do you like age them down when there's hardly any marks of age now? You know, like Craig is mostly just a pair of eyes and a curved nose and a curved mouth. Like there's not that much to age. So it's really interesting how they have to, what actually is in the face that makes them look younger. I I don't know much about art, but the first thing I would do would be more of the body is head and larger (laughs) eyes. Yeah, and I think they did that. And then there's just little touches, a glimmer in the eyes. Ooh, yes, yes, a bright-eyed young young one just looking up to his big brother. And I mean, he finally gets those props from Bernard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, young Bernard just looked like kind of Bernard's head on a smaller body. I enjoy that, too. I mean, that, that also makes sense because, you know, that was Bernard completely in control. Yeah. Like he is in control of this situation. But this was this was really Bernard's big episode. I mean, this is this is the episode where he goes from being the jerk older brother to being like, hey, this character's actually kind of cool sometimes. Yeah. It's interesting to see the way they have more to write for his girlfriend, but like the way he's a little dismissive of Craig in front of his girlfriend in their kitchen, it is interesting to me. Like what if they're going to do more with that, but because that kind of like, I'm a little mean to my younger brother when I'm around (laughs) my like significant other sort of can be touchy, but she like also deals with it in a mature way. There's interesting things there. Cause so far what we've seen of Bernard, like gives him a little more immaturity. Bernard's generally dismissive of Craig at all times. It's not just Alexa's presence. If, If anything, he's probably going to want to be nicer to him when she's around. No, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, Craig's not really good at reading the situation. I mean, you know, us as cartoon viewers are like, okay, Bernard is obviously trying to impress Alexa with how little he cares about that thing that he still obviously deeply cares about. (laughs) Otherwise, he would not have summarized it so clearly for her and then made such a bad or something like that. I don't know. You know, but just, you know, maybe, maybe you wait until he's not with her to ask about the cards. Just saying. Yeah, no, I I just mean there's always the opportunity for Alex to call Bernard out on, you know, being, you know, embarrass him for being too hard on his younger yeah. brother. Just little brother things. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, ooh, I, I love the, the I was the best <laughs> that, they, that they gave Bernard at the end. Oh, it's like, I, I, I'm just getting from Garnet's universe. So cool. 
Yeah, this is almost without the heavy emphasis on Bernard. It's kind of like a Garnet's universe for showcasing him and basically letting him know have no weak spots except for you know what we just talked about that he's a little hard on Craig because otherwise he is killer at the game and he's super supportive of Craig the moment he recognizes Craig actually wants to learn and is receptive to learning. Yeah. And the moment Craig finally decides to start reading the cards before he uses them. Yeah, apparently it's a really bad game because all you have to do is read the card descriptions to be any good at it, which is not exactly high-level meta play, in my opinion. Well, I mean, Turner's not exactly a great battler either, so the fact that if you're just reading the cards and knowing what they do, you're probably on about her level. (laughs) Yeah. Although I, I was kind of like, this was again, it's like, why doesn't Craig just look up how to play on the internet? Maybe? There are probably YouTube videos for that kind of stuff nowadays. That's very true. It's like, why didn't they think of that as an excuse? There's definitely that feeling of that it's connecting to the writers, like childhood experiences of playing yeah. card games. And so, whereas in some episodes, we'll see Craig and his friends like heavily using their phones. In this one, you know, even if they'd made up an excuse, it's kind of hard to when they're at home. It's like, you have Wi-Fi. You can't come up with something like, my data plan's out. Bernard, please teach me. But, you know, Wi-Fi could always be out. But, you know, it's kind of like an unnecessary plot detail that you don't notice until you're trying to dissect it in a podcast. Yeah, I mean, it makes for a good episode. But I do find myself wondering what the plot line would have been doing differently had Craig had a basic understanding of the game. Like, you know, say he was able to look up the the starter rules that you get in the in the starter pack like that. Here's how to play the game. Yeah, I mean, like him recovering from one of the battles he lost and like looking up how to play the game on his phone would definitely be more realistic. But it, then he wouldn't have to depend on his brother. So yeah, he could have also just lost his phone or something during the whole episode. But you know. Oh, yeah, you, you got you, you mentioned the the references to Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering. I thought the, they, they made uh, what seemed to me like a pretty clear reference to the heart of the cards. I believe it was Turner who mentioned it uh, from Yu-Gi-Oh! So I liked that. What was the heart of the cards in that uh, show? She, she, just, she just mentioned something about having heart or... I don't know. Oh. It just seemed to me like you, you would only mention that if you want to say, Hey, hey, Yu-Gi-Oh! players, remember heart of the cards? Hey, hey. Well, I mean, I guess it's not even from the card game. It's just from the anime, but... yeah. Well, right, her quote about the <laughs> having a heart. And then Mark's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, so that, that would be Matt Burnett being as mad as he can be through the voice of <laughs> his OC. I love Mark, he's the best elder too. Yeah, one of them's got to be the best. Yep, I mean, they're all pretty rad dudes, but like, he's the ringleader for a reason. <laughs> because he has a cape? Yeah, obviously. No cape, no leader. It's as simple as that. All right, guys, that's been us on Bring Out Your Beast. Anyway, guys, as a news item, on the 19th of July, we're going to be getting a Steven Universe The Movie trailer at San Diego Comic-Con. So everybody be looking forward to that. We already talked about some recent news for the movie on a previous episode of the podcast. So we're all looking forward to talking about the trailer. But join us next week where we'll be talking about an episode of OKKO. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. 
Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.